As Pastor Catherine mentioned uh, in the opening, it's a different flow today, and uh, we wanted to take some time just to reflect a little bit on what it means to gather together as God's people and to worship Him. And um, so I want to take a few moments to talk about praise. Um, there's a verse in Matthew 26:30. This is in the very end of his earthly ministry when he's about to go on trial and be crucified, where uh, Christ shares that, that uh, last supper, as we call it, in the upper room with his disciples. In Matthew 26, verse 30, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And this also uh, happens in Mark's gospel, uh, 1426, Mark 1426, same exact verse. And uh, I don't know if you've ever thought this, but in the past I've thought, wouldn't it be so cool to know what was the hymn? What did they sing? You know, was it uh, Hillsong? <laughs> Amazing Grace, The Old Rugged Cross, you know, one of your favorites, one of the Wesleyan, you know, top 40. Um, but in reality, we know, we know based on history, uh, we do know what they sang. Um, there's several times throughout the year that uh, faithful J- Jewish people will sing what is called the halal, which uh, the word halal in Hebrew means praise. Uh, it also means, it, the root word of it really means to shine or to shine forth or to boast. So you start to get a, an inkling about what it means to, when we talk about praising God, that it's, it's his, his presence that's shining. It's his name that is being magnified. It's his, we're commending him, we're boasting in our God. Uh, but anyways, the halal is this uh, series of psalms that they would sing during the Passover feast where they celebrate being delivered from Egypt to the promised land led by Moses. And so Psalms 113 through 118 are the halal psalms uh, that they would recite. They would sing together as like a group. And uh, traditionally, it would be 113 and 114 would be sung before the meal. And then after the meal, when it says they sung a hymn, they would be singing together, chanting, singing uh, these words that uh, have various themes. I'm just going to walk through some of the verses to to tease out some of the themes that are there. And you're going to see how those themes that they were celebrating then, thousands of years ago, they fit with our story as well, as, as now we are walking as the people of God. And uh, it's really powerful. And uh, I hope this will energize your praise, not only today, but in uh, years to come. So Psalm 113 begins, Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above the nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. And then Psalm 114, verses 1 to 3 says, When the Israelites escaped from Egypt, when the family of Jacob left that foreign land, the land of Judah became God's sanctuary, and Israel became his kingdom. The Red Sea saw them coming and hurried out of their way. The water of the Jordan River turned away. And it's recounting these uh, incredible uh, acts of deliverance where God brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Then after the meal... They continue, and, and again, these are just a few of the verses. Um, Psalm 115, 
beginning of verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Why let the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. And, and the psalmist goes on to write, they have mouths, but they can't see. Eyes, but they can't, uh, I'm sorry. They have mouths, but they can't speak. Eyes, but they can't see. Ears, nose, all of the things that they have on these, these pieces of wood and stone that have been carved. They have legs, they have arms, but they can't move, they can't walk, they can't do anything. But our God is a living God. In verse 15, he says, May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to all humanity. And then this uh, striking verse, verse 17, the dead cannot sing praises to the Lord, for they have gone into the silence of the grave, but we can praise the Lord both now and forever. Praise the Lord. And you consider that these songs, these, this hymn is being sung by Jesus and his disciples, right? This is the one through whom all things have been created. The creator is himself singing of creation, the deliverer is singing of deliverance, of how he, in times past, was there to rescue Egypt from slavery. And again, it's happening in a whole new way in this new covenant, right in front of their eyes. They don't even know what's about to happen, and he does. Psalm 116, verse 8 says, He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? And this... Uh, verse 13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. So here you have these pictures, this longing for the Messiah, and here is the Messiah singing of his Messiahship, of his saving acts that he's about to, that he's already in the, in the act of doing. So when they're lifting up those cups in the Passover, if those of you are familiar, the, the different cups that they raise to, to remember how God has brought them out. And they raise up the cup of salvation. And here he is, the cup of salvation. He is the offering right in front of them. And he's singing these, these songs with them. In Psalm 117, this is the whole thing. It's real short. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. For his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. And Psalm 118, this is the final one. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me the victory. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering the prayer and giving me victory and now listen to this verse, verse 22. This is incredible. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And we see that throughout the scriptures. Matthew, Mark, Luke all write that. Peter preaches that in, in Acts. And then again, it's in one of his, one of his letters. They, they call on that verse. So here is the cornerstone. Here is the stone that's been rejected who will become the chief stone, the capstone, right? He is the one who is going to be raised up, exalted over all the name above every name. Here he is singing, <laughs> singing these prophetic words in the moment where he's about to go out into the garden and sweat blood and, and cry out and intercede for you and for me and to join us with, with heaven 
by his grace and changed all of reality forever. So that's the heart. When I think of, you know, there's so many things we could say, obviously, but this is the heart that that praise has to do with acknowledging the one who has made us, the one who has saved us, the one who has delivered us. We have these in history, but we also have our own story that's now been brought into and woven into the the overarching story of, of God. And that's incredible to me, that he was there singing of his own deeds and pointing forward in hope. So we're filled with gratitude for what has happened, joy for the salvation we're experiencing, hope for the future, no matter what we're walking through. And so when you and I gather here on a Sunday morning, we collectively, we remind ourselves, we hear the same words, we sing the same things, we say the same things, and it helps to further imprint on us that sense of unity together in Christ, that he has joined us to him and he has joined us to each other. It retunes us, it recalibrates our hearts, it corrects our vision, it renews our hope, it energizes our ability to trust him with whatever we're going through. And so those outward expressions, when we're shouting, when we're dancing, when we're ra- lifting our hands, when we're, when we're crying, when we're laughing, whatever expression it takes on, it flows from this inner heart of, of the God who is shining in our midst and shining in our hearts by his spirit. And I was thinking about sometimes maybe this becomes a routine and you're in a rut. Maybe personally you've, you've been doing the same reading or you've had the same routine and it feels drudge, like drudgery or there's those mor- mo- mornings when you wake up, you know, and you think, man, it sure would be nice to stay in this cozy, warm bed, you know. Are you going to drag yourself out and bring yourself here? And, th- and how many times has it happened that you're so glad that you did? that you hear something or you're encouraged or something lifts you up or you're reminded of a truth that maybe you've forgotten along the way. And the other thing that happens is it's interesting that they didn't have to wonder what they were going to sing because it was part of their tradition. And, and, you know, we're in a, we're in a tradition that doesn't have a lot of hard and fast rules about what we do and when we do it. And yet there's something to be said for that sense of regularity, even the regularity of that rhythm of gathering on a Sunday morning to worship him. Because in the midst of the everyday, the routine, the tradition, it's in those moments where God can speak and break in in new and exciting, spontaneous ways. Right? I think about it as a musician. You study and you work really hard on understanding some fundamentals. And this is not my instrument, by the way. Sam Button went, went you know, had to go off to Africa and be on mission, you know, uh, with his mom. So I'm stuck here playing bass. But anyways, true, true musicians that can play an instrument, they have the fundamentals. And, and knowing those scales and knowing uh, the forms of songs and notes and, and being able to internalize them then gives them the language to then freely express themselves in a spontaneous way. In the same way, we become grounded in the fundamentals, right? In the grammar, in the, in the basics of the heart of our faith, of the heart of, of we, we internalize things like the Psalms and the scriptures and we spend time here week after week. And in the midst of that, we develop a language and a freedom to express praise to God. So why don't we do it? You want to do it? Let's have some time. Let's spend some time praising God together. Well, let's just do that. Hillel, let's bring praise to Jesus. Come on, let's give him praise.
Hillel, let's boast on him a little bit. Let's boast on him a little bit. Well, you can have his seats. Well, this morning we wanted to uh, really just focus on, uh, in fact, we've kind of titled this Unified Worship. It's, it's our worship together. Uh, I love what Eric shared about praise and Hillel. That's where we get the word uh, hallelujah from. It's from the word Hillel. And uh, it's, it's really powerful. I know he shared that first service, and I think it's, that's so awesome. In fact, you can do some fact-checking, but I've heard it said. In fact, my pastor always teaches hallelujah is the only word uh, in every language that's understood. In every language, hallelujah. You can speak it. So now you can say you speak Spanish and French and Greek. You just, just walk around, hallelujah, hallelujah. Like, hallelujah. You know, you just walk around and do that everywhere you want. So it's pretty awesome. But uh, you can fact check me. I can't say that for sure. But, uh, but uh, anyway, today I wanted to share about focus. And so one of the things that I love about uh, our worship is our focus. And uh, Jesus makes it really clear in John 15, 5. This is, this is the passage in John 15, the chapter. It talks about how he's the vine and we are the branches, if you, if you remember anything about this passage. But if you're new to the Bible, I encourage you to read John 15. It really is a remarkable chapter about focus and unity and how we're all together and how God has unified us. The Father is the vine dresser. Jesus, the Son, is the vine, and we're the branches. And of course, uh, the Holy Spirit is, is helping us abide and bring good fruit. It just all comes together. It's just really beautiful. But in John 15, 5, here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now look at that last part. For without me, you can do nothing. And that is razor pinpoint focus, isn't it? Jesus says, look, abide in me, and I in you, and there's so much fruit. But without me, without me, each one of us, none of us, not any one of us can do anything. And when we learn about focus, uh, you know, kind of what I want to share, we have a, uh, I've heard, I've, I've, I've heard uh, in many ways there's a big game today, right? There's a big game <laughs> called the Super Bowl. And if you know anything about football, this is the game of all games. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting if you've ever been to a football game, prayerfully a Steelers game, because that's the only game you really should go to. Um, but if you've been to a football game, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, there's, there's obviously players making plays, there's coaches, uh, you know, you know, weaving in their, their thoughts and discernment of, of what they should do next. And then there's, uh, there's these just remarkable uh, catches and, and runs and blocks. And, you know, it all goes together, uh, hopefully, at the end of the day for a big W, right? That's, that's really what football is all about. But there's also the fans. If you go to a game, now, we have, as a fan, you have no control over the game at all. Uh, unless, unless you sit in front of a guy that I always sit in front of, and he's yelling at the refs, and he's yelling at the players, and he's calling the plays from, from the stands, right? Uh, but uh, you know, really, we, we have no control as a fan over what happens on the, on the field. But they will say, if you, if you talk to any football player, uh, a friend of mine that played in the NFL, and he will tell you there's something about it when the fans are just unified, you know, when the Steelers start to play Renegade, you know, there's just a moment there that, that only, and you have to be there to experience it. You can't, you can't do this on TV, although you can shout at your TV all you want. But, but when you're in the fans, there's, there's something magical that happens when the fans are all unified and they're all shouting the same thing and they're all screaming defense or whatever the, whatever the shout is. But when the chant gets so loud that the players say there's, there's, just, a, there's just a moment right there and it changes the game. It can change the game. It can, it, it can really excite a football player or a football team, and it can really just unify this call or this rally, and that's just football. That's just football. 
At the end of the day, after today, someone will win and someone will lose and it will be archived and, and we'll remember maybe some highlights or there may be some, some great moments that we'll capture and we'll remember, but at the end of the day, it goes away, doesn't it? That's just football. You know, I know that's worldly. And you know, the, the crazy thing about football is I'm, there's believers on both teams. I know that, right? You ever wonder about that? Well, you know, whoever prays harder is gonna win or whatever. Look, this is just a worldly game. It has no kingdom impact at all. Roger Goodell is not preaching Jesus through the NFL. Now, I pray that he knows Jesus and he does, but at the end of the day, that's not the purpose of the NFL. It's a worldly game and we can be in the world, but not of the world. So we can enjoy, but we know that this has no kingdom impact at all. So sometimes you wonder, well, why didn't they win? I prayed, look, it has no kingdom impact at all. Okay, it's fun, it's okay. But how much more? Think about it. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Look, we're, our unified praise, our unified worship, yeah, you'll hear here in a moment, our, our, our unified respect and reverence and awe of the vine, of the Lord, it means something. There's something about gathering together, being in God's presence. There's something about it when we focus, when we focus on what's important. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So what if our pinpoint focus in worship was to honor and exalt and bring praise and bring hallelujah and glory where it's deserved and where it should be? Look, this is what I love about praise is we're all unique. God is, we're all different branches. We're all unique branch. We all have our own different fruits that will display our gifts and our talents. You'll praise in a different way than I'll praise, and that's okay. You know, maybe you're someone that likes to clap or dance or raise your hands, or maybe you're, you're a little bit more reserved. Look, it's all okay as long as we choose to worship and we choose to praise. It's not okay not to acknowledge our Lord. But what's beautiful about focus is that all of this unique Branches and praise and worship can come together in a unified way. And just like we just talked about how it can change a game, well, let me just tell you something. Our unified praise can impact and change the kingdom purpose and plan that has to happen. I want to tell you, church, right now we have a couple, Todd and Michelle Rosenwald. They texted me last night. They're in China, living in China right now. And as all of you know, most of you know, if you watch any inkling of news, there's a lot going on in China. The ruler just proclaimed just a month ago that he's going to crack down, crack down on the underground church, which is where Todd and Michelle reside. That's what they're there to grow and prosper. It's the fastest growing church in the world, the underground church in China. And now there's this outbreak and plague happening all through China. Now, I can't say whether that was from the Lord or not. It's not my place. But Todd and Michelle have asked John Church, this is their home church, where they're sending church. Can you pray for us? We don't know what to do. Do we stay or do we go? And they've asked us to pray and they've asked us, you know, and I've been thinking about this. I, I honestly don't know. I don't have the answer for Todd and Michelle, but I told them we will pray. And I love how the Spirit of God can do this, right? He can weave this into, look, we need to be unified as a body, unified as a church. Have you ever read in the Bible and Acts and all the epistles and many of the scriptures where 
uh, God and the church began to pray. There was a time when, when Peter was in prison and John and, and Silas and Barnabas and Paul, where they've all been in prison, but the church prayed. And when the church prayed, mir- miracles happened. Look, this is what happens when a unified worship comes together. Look, jail cells open, prisons open miraculously. Angels show up and turn the key. This is what happens when we, and you can't predict this stuff. You can't say, okay, God, send the angels down. Look, I don't want to be in control of that. But you know what we can do is when brothers and sisters say, hey, can you pray? Yes, we will pray. Yes, we will unify our praise because you know what? Jesus said, you can ask anything in my name and it will be done. He's not talking about football games. He's talking about the branches unifying with the vine and praising and bringing kingdom purpose to pass. You can ask any time you want for the kingdom plan and purpose of God, and he's listening, and he'll make it happen. And by the way, let's not dictate how he does it. Let's just be unified to say, God, you're the Lord, and we're lifting them up to you. See, that's what focus is all about. God, we're focused on your kingdom, your will. God, I don't know what your will for Todd and Michelle is. But I do know this, Jesus, there was a time when you had to go to Egypt for a little bit because Herod was trying to kill you and you went to Egypt and then you came back. So is that the will for Todd and Michelle? I don't know. Is your will to stay there because the gospel needs to be spread throughout China? Do you want them to stay? And church, all I'm asking is as we worship, just lift up a quick prayer. God, make it clear. Make it clear. Speak powerfully. Bring Bring clarity and affirmation to exactly what you're saying to them. May it be a resounding gong to, Tom, to, uh, to Todd and Michelle what they're supposed to do. And let me just say this. There's something amazing, church, every Sunday when we focus and we praise together. Look, I'm not asking you to worship like me, and I don't want to worship like you. I want you to worship exactly the way God created you to be. And if that's clapping your hands, if that's bowing your feet, if that's, if that's praising God with your, your own words, look, all of that is okay. But let's just, let's just always remember this one truth. Our focus is on the vine. Our praise is about the Lord. Just like I sat in that football game, the guy behind me was trying to get attention. Look, we're not here to get attention. We don't come in this room and try to distract others so we get the attention. No, 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 no. Our focus, our pinpoint focus is without you, we can do nothing. So our focus is to you. Our worship is to you. Our praise is to you. It's not to, it's not to sit here and, and make us be noticed. It's about making him notice. It's about boasting about the vine, about Christ himself. That's why we worship and that's why we praise because we're so grateful. We're so thankful. Without you, Lord, we can do nothing. And we want to make it known that you're our God and we love you and we do get excited about you and we do want to lift our voice to you. We do want to dance a little jig because you are so good to us. And look, that's going to look different at different times and different places in your life. But let me, just, let me just be very clear. Stay focused on Him. Yesterday, I was looking out my window, and I'll close with this. And I was looking at all the trees, and it was beautiful, right? The snow was sitting on all the branches. And I'm thinking about this message, and I'm just looking out. And you know, what's amazing is, is when God does that, when He just drops the snow and it just sits on those trees... And you're driving down 30, that's where I live, or wherever you drive. I'm sitting in my window, I'm looking at my backyard. We live 
kind of in the woods and I'm looking out and I'm seeing this beautiful artistic and real life just painted right in front of me. But the reality is a Van Gogh or any amazing artist couldn't paint a picture as beautiful as what God did in just moments time. And all the branches of all the trees are holding this beautiful snow and it's cascading and just all these beautiful pictures and smells and things that you just look out and you see it. But can I just say, I'm not looking at just one individual branch, although there is one individual branch. There's hundreds and thousands of individual branches and that's us. We're the branches. When we worship, our unified worship, it's not about the one branch, but there is one branch in the room. There's branch and branch and branch and branch and branch. But what's amazing is this, when all the branches focus in on the one, that makes it all possible. When all the branches focus in on, without you, I can do nothing. And when all the branches come together in unity and say, Jesus, we love you. There's just something that happens in the presence. And, and we're going to share about that reverence and awe in just a second. But here's what I want you to do, church. I want you to focus on what's important. And that's the vine. That's Jesus. Let's praise. Let's, let's hallel. Let's bring our praise. Let's boast on our God. Let's bring our worship. Let's bring our praise. But make, let's make sure our, our focus is on Him. It's on Him. Without Him, we can do nothing. Let's bring our focus. Let's bring our attention. Let's bring our adoration. Let's bring our praise to Him. Let's lift Him up. Stand to your feet. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. It's all about you. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, let's worship. So what are you hungry for this morning? For the bread of life. The bread who has come down. Just to reflect a little bit. It seems a little bit redundant because it's better to taste and see that he is good than to talk about how good he is. It's better to experience his awesomeness and to be in a place of absolute awe where you're at a loss for words because you are surrounded by a majestic wisdom and love that's unlike any that you've ever experienced before. And when we get a little taste of that, it ruins us for everything else. But just to take a couple moments just to reflect on what it means to be in his presence, thinking about that idea of reverence and awe. Reverence is a kind of profound respect. Awe is a place of wonder of admiration where we stand without words, without the ability to truly articulate what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, the wisdom that that is unfolding in front of us. It's too much for our brains to take. It's the wisdom of God. It's the presence of God. In the letter to the Hebrews in, in chapter 12, It says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. Let's throw off every hindrance. I'm paraphrasing. But it basically says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, the the one who completes what he's begun in us, the one who leads us across the finish line, who takes us from this to that, from here to there, from glory to glory. Verse 
from old to the new. And later on in that chapter, and I want to just focus here for a few moments. I'll keep the bass on. You guys stand, and that way we won't be here a long time. In chapter 12, it says, therefore, in uh, verse 28, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. But consider, and it's, it's, we don't have the time in it right now to, to, to unpack all of this, but the letter opens up this way in Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he anointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs." This is who we are worshiping today. This is who we stand in awe of. This is who we reverently bow before. This is who we praise. In chapter 5, it says, in the days of his flesh, meaning when he took on flesh, and, and, and I th- was thinking about that in that, that last song, we say, it's your breath in our lungs. Do you remember when it says that, that God breathed his breath into the clay and it became a living being? And it says that now in Christ, we have become uh, uh, eternal beings because it's his breath, it's his spirit that has breathed into us and has given life to these earthly vessels. Heaven has come to earth and has made majestic all that was mundane. All that was of the earth has now been filled, has been uh, charged with, with his divinity because Christ has come for us. It says, in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. He learned obedience. He learned obedience as humanity, as a human being, as a person. He walked in that obedience, and we hear that over and over again. Pastor John was talking about John chapter 15, and over and over again in, in the Gospel of John, we hear about him saying, I only do what, the fa- what I see the Father doing. I only say what he tells me to say. I'm in complete uni- union and unity with him. And what, what he wants is what I want. What he says, I say. What he does, I do. And he unites himself to our brokenness, to redeem our brokenness. And he comes, as Hebrews says, as our high priest. He's both the priest who offers the sacrifice, and yet he is also the sacrifice. And in chapter 12, in verse 18, it says, You have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn, 
firstborn who enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He undoes all that was wrong, all that was broken and, and, and sinful and lost and cursed. He redeems by his blood. And through that torn veil, which is his flesh, he enters into the holiest place. And so then it says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Because do you know that all around you, the world is shaking? Lives are shaking. Nations are shaking. Lives are shaking. Families are shaking. But we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And what I'm trying to inadequately and feebly express to you is that this God is so majestic, so mind-blowingly beautiful that what can we do the rest of our lives but stand in awe, in reverent awe, to offer our lives to him, not just this Sunday morning, not just our words, but everything everything about everything in our lives to say, it's yours, God. Do what you want. Have your way. We bow in submission and surrender to him because he carried you and me into the holiest place by his blood. And because of that, you have been ushered into the very presence of the creator, redeemer. You are now in fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because of our high priest. I hope that inspires awe in you. I hope that inspires you to say, I'm going to keep searching for words. I'm going to read every dictionary on earth until I can find some word that will express how beautiful, how amazing you are and how worthy you are of my worship and my life. Amen. Amen. So we're going to now culminate the service. Pastor John's going to lead us uh, in communion. Before we do that, we're going to Continue in worship here. If you are in Christ today, if you've said yes to his yes, if you're trusting his faithful offering on your behalf and and have said yes to Christ, we invite you to partake with us today. We'll keep the, the elements together and he'll lead us. Pastor John will lead us in a few moments. We bless you, Lord. We bless you.